Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of Away From Keyboard is brought to you by Hired. One thing people hate doing is searching for a new job. It's so painful to search through open positions on every job board under the sun. The process to find a new job is such a mess. If only there was an easier way. Well, I'm here to tell you there is. Our friends at Hired have made it so companies send you offers with salary, benefits, and even equity up front. All you have to do is answer a few questions to showcase who you are and what type of job you're looking for. They work with more than 6,000 companies from startups to large publicly traded companies in 14 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. You get to see all of your interview requests. You can accept, reject, or make changes to their offer even before you talk with anyone. And it's totally free. This isn't going to cost you a thing. It's not like you have to go there and spend money to get this opportunity. And if you get a job that are hired, they're even going to give you a bonus. It's normally $300, but since you're a listener of AFK, they're going to give you $600 instead. Even if you're not looking for a job, you can refer a friend and Hired will send you a check for $1,337 when they accept the job. As you can see, Hired makes it too easy. Get started at Hired.com slash AFK. Changelog Media, this is Away From Keyboard, a show exploring the human side of creative work. I'm Tim Smith. 13 years ago, Ashley Baxter's father passed away. As she herself says on her about page, some parents leave their kids jewelry, maybe a collection of some sort. But Ashley inherited an insurance business. Although Ashley isn't still running her dad's insurance company today, even after establishing a successful wedding photography business, there was something about the insurance industry that called her name. Now, to most people, insurance isn't something you get excited about, but Ashley is not most people. I felt like there were a lot of problems to solve, problems that really excited me. So for example, two out of three customers are unhappy with their journey through buying insurance. And so that excites me like, okay, in that case, how can we make it more? I don't think shopping for insurance is ever going to be enjoyable, but how can we make it a (laughs) bit more pleasant? Um, And there were other problems too, like most people don't trust their insurance provider. So how can I build a company that people do trust and put their faith in and feel good about using? And so those were the, the problems that I felt excited about that led to me starting with Jack. And then I'd say that now that I've been doing with Jack for a couple of years, there's another thing that excites me about insurance. And that's that so many people just don't understand the value of it. So I'm selling business insurance to freelancers. And there are so many freelancers running their business without insurance because they don't understand how it would actually add value to their business, which isn't their problem. It's our problem as the insurance companies. We should be doing a better job of educating them. That's something that excites me now is like having this mission. There are 2 million freelancers in the UK and it's my mission to get them all insured. (laughs) Yeah, I I would love to hear that explanation because I, I definitely feel like one of those people. What what is the value insurance brings to me? And I, I mean, I've heard you explain that 
kind of in some of your YouTube videos as well. But I, I'd love to hear, you know, your, your kind of shorter explanation as to why is this so valuable for freelancers? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like any insurance. So you have a big group of people. In this case, I have 300 customers and not all of them are going to use their insurance. But for the few that do, we've had, I think it's eight or nine claims now. And we have, as a result of these freelancers being insured, we have kept them in business. There have been situations which we've seen time and time again where you can perhaps work with a client who's a bit of a bully and tries to get more out of you than, you know, tries to use scare tactics to get more out of you or refuses to pay invoices. Um, you know, we've seen just projects go wrong, being delivered late, just a various um, situations that lead to unhappy clients who try to make a claim against you or threat, threaten legal mm. action. And if that freelancer didn't have insurance, um, I mean, our biggest claim was for £60,000. And wow. that would have put that person out of business. Um, they could have potentially lost their home. They had a family. You know, you're essentially transferring the risk to somebody who can pay that amount, if that makes sense. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, it's not It's not the sexiest subject. It's not the best business expense. But if you do find yourself in that situation, you will be glad that you are paying £14 a month or £20 a month, whatever it is, you know, because the insurer gives you access to law they handle everything for you. They really not only take the financial burden, but the emotional burden too. And I just think that that's absolutely priceless. But then again, I am biased. I have seen these situations. <laughs> Luckily, most freelancers won't face those problems, but it's there just in case they do. And currently you are only in the UK. Do you have plans to change that? Well, I get asked that a lot, which is great because people... From I get a lot of uh, European visitors on the website and they always ask me like, you know, are you going to come to Germany or here and there? Yeah. And it's the problem is that insurance is a regulated industry. And the reason that it took me so long to launch with Jack is because I really struggled to kind of wrap my head around all of the regulation side of things. There's so much red tape that it's just difficult to get started. It was so hard to get started in the UK that I can't even imagine then having to go through that whole procedure to sort of branch out into, you know, <laughs> Europe and the US especially. So right now yeah. I just want to focus on this market because I'm up and running here and I still obviously like 300 customers and I'm saying there's 2 million freelancers. So obviously I've barely tapped into the market. Um, so right. yeah, it would be great one day because I do think that people seem to um, respond really favorably to With Jack's um, brand, but there are no immediate plans, unfortunately. So I, I kind of want to go back to the beginning of our conversation where, where I asked you what it is about insurance that gets you excited because you are a very talented photographer. I absolutely love your vlogs. How do you feel that the insurance industry scratches your creative itch? You know, it's weird because I actually feel that it scratches my creative itch more than photography does right now. Wow. Yeah, I know. I never thought I'd say that. And I feel like there are bigger problems to solve with insurance. Like with photography, I photograph weddings and it's really meaningful to be able to give somebody a gallery of their, you know, most special day and give them lots of great memories. But I feel like 
there's much bigger impact that can be made by building a business in the insurance space. And even though insurance isn't, it's a really dry subject, I think that I've made it work really well for myself as a creative person. Like I'm doing my YouTube videos and really enjoying shooting them and editing them and writing out the content or, you know, just creating the content for the blog or for Instagram, getting to go and do public speaking and and talk about this stuff in front of hundreds of people. I feel like I've I've taken this business and made it work for my creative personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and I mean, that's true. You you have been doing, you know, like we mentioned before, a lot of a lot of YouTube videos and, and vlogs, but also some some speaking as well, which um, I think you you have enjoyed a lot. Right. Oh, no, I hate public speaking. <laughs> do you like it? Do I like public speaking? I, I do enjoy it. Yes. I get nervous just like anybody else, but I enjoy public speaking. I enjoy being in front of, uh, in front of a lot of people and, and sharing something that I've learned. So yeah, I, I enjoy it. I don't know. I, I keep telling myself that the more I do it, the more I might end up enjoying it. But that just hasn't happened yet. So this is I think this is where I've been going wrong because I was writing a new talk for every conference or meetup that would ask me to ah, speak. Yes. Whereas for the past, I think, three, maybe even four conferences, meetups I've done, I've, I've written one talk and then just iterated on it. And I've been yeah. getting really good feedback about that. So that's my plan going forward is to have this one talk that I'll be doing for a while. And then I hope that the more confident I become with it, the more I enjoy public speaking. But it is really rewarding when you get the tweets and people saying that, you know, they, they feel inspired by your talk or whatever. But when I'm there on stage, I don't enjoy the act of mm. public speaking. It's just it yeah. is terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. So if, if if you don't really like it and you get so nervous, why is it that you push through and, and do it? Well, I think it's really important to do things that scare you. You grow as a as a human being, as a person, if you do things that push you out of your comfort zone. I don't think I have like a profound message to share, but I do really enjoy being really honest about this part of building a business because I've not yet, I'm not successful yet. I've not made it yet. I, I'm still, it's a work in progress. And I think it's really important important for people to share this part of the journey because all too often we hear from people who you know have companies that are turning over 50k monthly recurring revenue and you know they've figured out all of the stuff out and it's not very relatable whereas I'm kind of standing there on stage saying I don't have any funding I'm very much in the thick of it um, you know, I'm still figuring everything out and people can really relate to that. So that's why I enjoy doing it. I, I like that because I, I agree with you a lot of the times. And, and I mean, to a certain degree, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is uh, share the stories that aren't so glamorous sometimes, you know, um, because I feel like we all we all struggle. We all have difficulties and and those are the things that I think more people can relate to and and not so much, you know, because we we live we live in like an Instagram world, right, where you put your fa your best face forward all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you listen to the stories about the successes, then if you are somebody who's thinking of starting a business or have just started a business, you're doing so under a false pretense. Um, for me, I've found that 
there's so much work and so much time of not making much money and there's a really long period of putting so much effort and blood, sweat and tears and money into something and not Mm -hmm. seeing a return on investment. Like there's years of that part but people don't really talk about that bit which is what worries me because we've got great websites like Indie Hackers which I love but all of these websites where it's a bit too easy to read that those glamorous stories of success and get a bit too caught up in that so that's why I think it's important to get the story out about well here's how it looks for me and it isn't that glamorous Coming up, Ashley talks to me about the sobering challenges of running a bootstrapped company, why she taught herself to code, and how focus helped both her sanity and business. What's up, AFK listeners? Adam Stachowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. If you've been enjoying Tim's exploration of the human side of creative work, you'll probably love our show, Founders Talk. Founders Talk features stories from founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, their lessons learned, and the the behind-the-scenes of building and running their company. Here's a preview of Pia Mancini, co-founder and CEO of Open Collective. She's sharing some of the struggles of being a mother and a startup founder. The first few months are absolutely hard, so super challenging, you know? They need your attention. They can't walk. They can't do anything for themselves. And, you know, you're trying to keep doing, but then also, you know, doing your responsibility as a parent. And it's just like, you know, it's just probably the most challenging, challenging parts of a parent's life is, is those first, you know, six months to nine months of the yeah, child's life. For sure. But it also, it also gives you um, an extra energy, like an extra, I don't know, creativity. I don't know if it's the hormones or what, but it's like you have that, you know, you, you go into a, yeah, you go into a different gear. Like yeah. you, just, you just keep pushing forward. I don't know, there's something that kind of makes you, um, yeah, just shift gears into that extra thing and, and, you, can, and you can do it. Also, you. What I found mostly with um, motherhood is I don't have time for BS, essentially, like at all. Like because I don't have, I have very little time to waste or to spare. So you become, at least I became really good at saying no to things and just really cutting, you know, cutting loose things or or, or situations or people that just. Yeah, I didn't just didn't have time. It made me much more focused because the time I have away from my daughter is like I'm doing this, right? Otherwise, I'm with her. So, Founders Talk is all about in-depth, one-on-one conversation with founders and makers. If you dig that, learn more and subscribe at changelaw.com/founderstalk. From Changelog Media, this is Away from Keyboard. I'm Tim Smith. Running a small business has good days and bad days. Sometimes the bad days outnumber the good days. According to Ashley, the key to making it through those bad days starts with the right motivation. I'll be honest with you, the past year's been really tough. There have been a lot of obstacles in my way. And if I was doing this just for the money, I would have quit by now. I would have walked away by now because it just wouldn't be worth it. So I think that mm-hmm. actually being invested in something bigger and more meaningful than just doing it for the money it really keeps me going. Like I really believe in With Jack. I really believe in getting freelancers insured. So that keeps me going. But also just having that, um, I mean, this is a bit of a cliche, but having that support network. I don't really have friends who run business 
businesses. So that can be tricky, but I've made a lot of online friends who are in, you know, the same space. They're they're building businesses. Um, but even the people who are who are helping me build with Jack, the freelancers I'm working with, like Scott Riley and Vic Bell, you know, I'll pop into our Slack chat and I'll just have a big moan and rant at them. And they've been really great at just <laughs> listening, you know, and giving me that pep talk that I need because I'm a solo founder. So I have right. to like shoulder so much of the, you know, emotional side of things myself. So I think having that um, support network has been key. And then also um, just really believing in the mission at hand and not just doing something for the money. That's, that is what keeps me going. I, I mean, I think that's so interesting because we obviously understand that money is an important part of all of this, right? Money is what allows us to pay our bills, pay our rent, survive. But at the end of the day, when it comes to creating a business, sometimes it has to be a little bit more than that because the difficulties of building a business, the moments of blood, sweat and tears. And and oftentimes, like like you yourself mentioned earlier, the amount of work and time that it requires, it, it just doing it for the money sometimes is just not enough. No, I mean, like to be completely transparent with you right now, I could 100% earn more money if I just went and got a job working somewhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. Um, So yeah, it's definitely important to to have more motivations than, than just financial. Unfortunately, I do. Like, I really feel like it's this, again, this sounds so cheesy, but I really feel like it's my mission or my identity to build with Jack. I feel like it's, Mm. I just, nothing's going to stop me. I just feel like I'm here (laughs) to do it and I'm not going to stop until, you know, until I've done it. Does that worry you at times that with Jack can be so tied to your identity? Yeah, I mean, so do you mean in the sense that once I scale and start bringing in staff, does that worry me? Or do you mean like if something was to happen to me, that means like with Jack's dead in the water? What what do you mean exactly? Uh, well, that, that's a good question. What I what I'm what I'm trying to say is I always find it scary when I attach too much of myself and too much of my identity to the success or failure of something external, like building a business, uh, like a career. Work has to have its own place in my life, but it can't be my life. It does make sense. Um, or, or is that not a luxury that you get when you're building a business? No, I'm very much like, I'm not somebody who's like 24 seven hustle. Like all of my life is about with Jack. That's not the case at all. I have a lot of other stuff going on and make the time to do other things. But I think the reason that I've invested so much of myself, Ashley Baxter into with Jack is because I really felt like insurance is so impersonal and Mm. there are so Mm. many big faceless corporations. And I hate that. Like I hate the fact that if I deal with my insurer, I'm going to be speaking to you know, one of 400 people in a call center any given time. <laughs> I don't know anything about the founder. You know, it's just, it, it's just, eh, it's just faceless. And I don't like that. And, and so that was definitely like a key factor. And when I was wanting to launch my own business, I knew that I wanted it to be a lot more personable. I think it has worked out quite well, especially with just that initial traction is that so many people have seen how long I've been in insurance. They know how hard I've worked to get this off the ground. So they really trusted placing their business with me and becoming those first customers. So I think that it actually really helped me with uh, that initial traction. Um, So let's, let's switch gears here. I want to talk about 
you and the fact that you've taught yourself to code. If I remember correctly, you built a whole Rails app mostly on your own, if not all by yourself, that powered some of your your previous insurance stuff. Uh, I'd love to know how it is that you went about that. You know, some people learn best from just sitting and reading a manual and then they're able to process all of that information and then just do whatever it is they've read about. And I didn't know how, like what the best method for me learning to code was. And I tried so many things, like I bought so many books and I devoured those books. And then I would also spend a lot of time doing online tutorials. It was different back then. I think that this was, I think I first started trying to learn to code back in 2009 and back then there weren't really that many options but I did any sort of online tutorials I could get my hands on I actually ended up going to an evening class at a college to learn Ruby on Rails and it was there through that evening class that I realized oh my goodness there's so much of this that I'm familiar with so when I was reading the books and doing the tutorials I didn't really feel like I was learning anything but now that I was at this course, I was like, well, I must have been learning stuff because all of this is really familiar and it makes sense. So that one course was really pivotal in building my confidence to keep going. But what changed everything was when I decided to just actually build like a, a proper app. So I worked with a designer, Paddy Donnelly. He did some um, amazing designs for me. And then I just went off and had like a, I just built them. I just learned what I needed to learn to make those designs come to life, if that makes sense. And that really worked for me because I feel like if I didn't actually have a real life project to apply all of that stuff to, I would have just been stuck in that cycle of doing online tutorials for years and not really getting anywhere. So, mm-hmm. so I think everybody's different. Some people can read books, some people can watch videos. For me, I needed to have a real project to build and that helped me learn to code. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd love to hear what you, what you feel are the benefits of teaching yourself how to code? Um, Well, I think that there's been a really obvious benefit. I'm a small business and bootstrapped. I don't have a lot of cash to burn. And so Mm. learning to code has really helped me just build quick prototypes and test ideas, see what the feedback is. And then if I think, okay, this thing has legs, then I would go to a professional and hire them to build it. And my talk, um, idea to execution and beyond that I've been doing at conferences, part of the advice that I give there is to start with the tiniest product version possible. Does that even make sense? Start with like the tiniest version (laughs) of your product possible. And just recently I've I've tried to take my own advice with that because I've had an idea. And usually in the past I would just like dive right in and start building something. But I've been sitting on this idea. I've been thinking about it. I've been doing a bit of research. I've been speaking to people, but I just can't get this idea out of my head like I keep thinking about it so I've decided but it's a very complicated app Uh, there's no way I could build what I have in my mind myself so just today started um, working on that and the idea is that if I can build something basic that shows the basic functionality then I can demo it to people to get their feedback and see if it is something people would find useful and if it is then I can go and spend the thousands and thousands of pounds that a developer would cost (laughs) So it's been really beneficial in that sense. It's like 
save me money because I'm not spending, you know, seven, 10 grand on a developer to launch an app that turns out to be just completely bombs. Um, It's been useful in just like building quick versions of my ideas, testing them. And then if they've got legs, I can go to to somebody and pay them to do it. So the the last thing I want to talk to you about is a question that I've been asking a lot of people that I talk to these days, which is as creative people, a lot of the times we struggle with burnout, with lack of motivation. Uh, Sometimes even our mental or physical health plays a factor in in how we feel. Uh, How have you dealt with these things and still built a successful business? Um, well, a few years ago, I ended up in hospital with burnout. It was when I hadn't yet launched with Jack, which is part of the problem. I was like really struggling to get that business off the ground. And I knew that's what I wanted to build. The family business that I'd taken over wasn't doing well. And I was also juggling tons of other things like wedding photography, you know, commercial work. I was doing my podcast. I was doing, ah, I was just doing like all sorts of stuff, but really not depressed, but unhappy that the business I wanted to build, I was struggling to get that off the ground. I just kept ignoring the way that it was making me feel and just kept powering through it. And then eventually my body started to give me physical symptoms to say like, hey, you should stop and listen to me. I saw various doctors and all of them kept saying to me, you're stressed out, aren't you? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I am. But I feel really embarrassed saying that to a doctor who's on their feet for like 16 hours a day saving lives. And I'm (laughs) sitting at a computer, you know, messing about with code or whatever. So I took a month off and and really just like went back to the drawing board and was like, if I could start over from scratch, what would I be doing? Would I be a photographer? Would I be working in insurance? Like, let's just say there's no restrictions. There's nothing stopping me. What would I be doing? But I think that that's what got me over that burnout. Unfortunately, I haven't been back there. Is that, first of all, I took that time to just think and ask that question. And I felt so confident with my choice and insurance. And then when I decided to choose insurance, I made so many changes to my life. Like I got rid of the podcast. I got rid of the photo walks I was doing. I shut down the commercial side of my photography business and I even stopped I even started phasing out weddings like this is my last year doing weddings don't get me wrong I still do loads of things for fun like I play video games I go to the gym and lift weights I walk my dog I like I love drinking coffee blah I do loads of things for fun but I really just decided work-wise I'm going to stop saying yes to everything and I'm just going to focus on the things that take me closer to this goal of building with Jack I I love that answer because I just feel like man you know, I feel this all the time that I have so many creative things that I want to be able to do that I want to be able to have time for. Like I, I would love to try my hand at like making music. I've been really enjoying photography and videography. I love doing, you know, this show, but there's only so much of you to go around. There's only so much time in the day. Yeah, it's hard because you enjoy all of those things as well. Um, And I enjoyed you know, doing the things that I was doing then as well. But I also knew that I wanted to build this insurance company and I knew that I was never going to get there by giving it just 50% of my time or even 70% of my time. I needed to give 100% of myself to it. And I'm in a much like happier, much happier place now because of it. 
Ashley Baxter. You can find her blog and awesome newsletter at iamashley.co.uk. AFK is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Tim Smith. The beats are from the one and only Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Smith Timmy Tim on Twitter. You can find the show at AFK underscore show. Thank you to our sponsor, Hire. Head to Hire.com slash AFK. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more about them and Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com and we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. One last thing before we go. Uh, Ashley told me this hilarious story about a man and his dog. I was dropping my mum off at the train station. I was driving back home and a guy thought that I was checking him out when in fact I was just waving and smiling at his dog. He even did like the whole like double checking to see if I was still looking at him and I was like, oh no, I was just um, I was just waving at your staffy actually. Um, so that, that gave me a little giggle. I'm Tim Smith and this is Away From Keyboard. Thank you.